Welcome to this episode of Come Follow Me, Disciples Journey. Let's continue our discussion of section 88. So, um, section 88, verses 77 through 80, the Lord commands them to instruct one another, to learn from each other, to teach knowledge and truth. But he says, teach you diligently and my grace shall attend you that you may be instructed more perfectly in theory and principle and doctrine. He goes on and says of things both in heaven and in earth and under the earth, uh, things which have been things, which are things which must need shortly come to pass. And he lists these things, these things. And Elder John A. Witso commented on this and said, we should be instructed in many things. He said, quote, things both in heaven, astronomy, and in the earth, everything pertaining to cultivation in the soil and under the earth, geology, etc., things which have been, history in all its branches, things which must shortly come to pass, prophecies, things which are at home and things which are abroad, domestic and foreign politics, wars, perplexities, judgment, the signs of the times by which the observer may know that the day of the Lord is at hand, a knowledge of countries and kingdoms, physical and political geography, languages, these studies the Lord considers necessary. God does not require all his servants to become doctors or professors or lawyers or even profound students of these subjects, but he expects them to know enough of these things to be able to magnify their callings as his ambassadors. As we learn these things, things of the Lord, but also things in the earth and under the earth and all these things that he listed, we, A, come to know the signs of the times and can be watchful um, servants, but also it allows us to connect with the people in our generation it allows us to teach them. It allows us to speak to them in ways that they can understand. And it allows us to magnify our calling to gather Israel and build Zion. And verses 87 through 89, the Lord touches on these the calamities that are coming. And it's right after he talked about learning about the things of the world. And um, so why would these calamities come? Well, Understanding that they're coming and watching for them is one part of it, and learning about them. President Joseph Fielding Smith said, Why so many severe judgments are being poured out upon the world in the last days? He said, It is not the will of the Lord that they should, there should come upon the people disaster, trouble, calamity, and depression. But because man himself will violate the commandments of God and will not walk in righteousness, the Lord permits all of these evils to come upon him. The Lord decreed that he would without withhold his spirit from the inhabitants of the earth. This spirit has been withdrawing. Uh, the, sorry, excuse me. This spirit, he was withdrawing from them because of their wickedness and withdrawal of this spirit would bring upon them calamities. Spirit protects us. Spirit is power. And so when the world and societies reject that spirit, they reject power, then calamities befall them. That's why there's these calamities. Why were the angels, you know, loosed that we talked about in section 87 last week? It was to hasten the coming of the Lord because they couldn't stand the wickedness. They want to end the wickedness. And so we learned back in section 45 that the thunderings and lightnings and earthquakes are testimonies of the power of God to try to call people to repentance, to remind them of his power. And we can see that throughout. I mean, modern history, we can see that in the Book of Mormon, that when people reject the Lord and the Spirit, they subject themselves to the power of the, of the adversary because they no longer have the power of God. 
And there is a great truth to be found there. If you reject the power of God, you will be subjected to the power of Satan. Because there are two options. Life and death. Liberty and captivity. God and Satan. There's always been those two choices. Satan's great lie is to make us think that that's that's not the case. But if we reject in our homes, and think of the, the quote that President Nelson has, if we make our homes the center of gospel study, then the power of the adversary will decrease in our lives and in our home. Well, the opposite is true as well. If we don't, then the adversary's power will increase because there's only two options. The world doesn't want us to think that or believe that or act in that way, but that is the case. That is the truth. So why why are these calamities, you know, in verses 87 through 91, why are they going to come? Because people are rejecting. And they'll come at a large scale. In, this, in the last days, they will. But our homes can be protected. Zion will be protected. Are we building Zion? Are we building that unity? Are we embracing the power and paying the price for that power? Sections 92 through 110 uh, talk about angels sounding their trumpet. There's seven of them. They represent the seven dispensations, 7,000-year periods. Uh, Section 77 of the Doctrine and Covenants specifically talks about this. Also, uh, another cross-reference here would be Revelation chapters 8 through 10. Um, But their opening dispensation is what the sounding of the trump essentially means. Uh, one one quote that I that stood out to me as I was um, reading the, this week was uh, based on verse ninety three. Ninety verse ninety three says, "And immediately there shall appear a great sign in heaven, and all people shall see it together." So we're to see a sign, and. Um, Uh, the, the one quote says, bro, tripping over my words here. Let's rewind that and not do that again. Joseph Smith said about this sign, there will be wars and rumors of wars, signs in the heavens, above and on the earth beneath, the sun turned into darkness, the moon to blood, earthquakes in diverse places, the seas heaving themselves beyond their bounds. Then there will appear a grand sign of the world, the Son of Man in heaven. But what will the world do? They will say it is a planet, a comet, or some other thing. But the Son of Man will come as a sign of the coming of the Son of Man, which will be as the light of the morning cometh out of the east. So the world will still try to explain this away. And the quote that I found was from two commentators, Smith and Jodal, that said, When this sign appears, God will make its meaning known to the prophet, Syrian Revelator, who at that time may be at the head of the church, and through him, his people, and the world in general. How will we know what's happening? Look to the prophet. We all, we, in the last days, we will need both lines of communication, our personal revelation and the line through the authority of the priesthood, the prophet. There are those who, in whisperings, talk about that, you know, the world will be so disjointed that we won't be able to listen to the prophet. We won't be able to communicate with him. I disagree wholeheartedly, and this is why. Because we need that. And the Lord has promised to give us that. These two lines of communication. If you want to know what you need to do, yes, you need to pray, you need to seek personal revelation. And the prophet himself 
has admonished us to do that. However, we also need to listen to the voice of the prophet and know that we will have that voice to speak and guide us. Listen to the Lord's anointed. Verses 95 through 98, there's silence in heaven, and then the, eventually, the, essentially, the veil is uh, rolled up. Uh, Elder Rosen Pratt um, related that to think of being in grade school and you have those maps that pull down off the wall and then you can pull them and they roll up and he says it's going to be kind of like that uh, the curtain of heaven will be unrolled so the people may gaze upon those celestial beings who will make their appearance in the clouds the face of the Lord will be unveiled so that promise back that we talked about in last episode section or verse 68 and the promise of verse 107 of being with him and receiving his glory this Veil is rolled away, and we can we will see him. We'll be with him. We'll and if we had prepared ourselves, if we, if we have prepared ourselves, then we'll be like him. And that's what the, this section is saying. And we have to be prepared because once that's rolled up, if we're not, then the burning comes. That burning happens because you can't withstand his presence if you haven't become like him. If you haven't lived the celestial glory, verse twenty-two. Excuse me, if you haven't lived the celestial law, verse 22, then you can't abide the celestial glory when this, uh, when the veil, when this curtain is rolled up. Um, I'm going to make just quick mention of verse 99. It summarizes some things from section 76 about who have part in the different resurrections, um, and who have a part in, in uh, who accepts the gospel in prison, spirit prison, um, where they uh, will be resurrected in the timing and in order, essentially, of this. So verse 99 and some of the things mentioned and taught about in that should sound familiar from our study of section 76. Um, and so if you have questions about verse 99, I would just say, hey, go, go look up verse, uh, section 76 again, um, because it's it's very re- related. But you got that's the other thing you, you can start to see here. In many of these sections and verses, section 76 was revealed. And then section 88, the Lord builds on that because Joseph has more of an understanding. He's revealed section 76, and so he can build on that by telling him, all right, here's how you receive that celestial glory. Remember the celestial bodies I talked to you about in section 76, Joseph? Well, you want to be prepared and you want to have that resurrection? Well, here's my olive leaf. Here's my peace that I can give you and the promise that I can give you. You will have that if you can abide the celestial law. And here's some of that law, section 88. So that you can see how it um, they build on each other. We've already mentioned section 107. Partly pre-pressed said, Every man who is eventually made perfect, raised from the dead, and filled or quickened with the fullness of the celestial glory will become like them in every respect, physically and in intellect, attributes, or powers. Listen next time you go to the temple. And you do an, uh, a washing and anointing. Listen to the words. Go do a sealing. Listen to the words. The endowment. Listen to the words that were promised. And the blessings that we are promised. And the powers that we are given to claim. The very germs of these godlike attributes being engendered in man, the offspring of deity, only need cultivating, improving, developing, and advancing by means of a series of progressive changes in order to arrive at that fountainhead the standard, the climax of divine humanity. That's what Parley P. Pratt said. That's the why. 
we have those we have that in us we have that, that those seed where those little seedlings we can grow we can grow how do we do it what are the things that we need to be done to cultivate that the celestial law the covenants we make the commandments that's that's what cultivates us and it's the through the power of the atonement of Christ that it's all possible. He is the beginning and the end. He makes it possible. He gives us the path to walk and then he gives us the power to walk it. Verses 108 through 110, he goes on to tell us that he's going to reveal everything to us, that we'll even understand God. We will understand his complexity, everything. It's the pattern of the Doctrine and Covenants. Ask, seek, knock. He's going to, he's going to repeat this again through between now and the end of the Doctrine and Covenants. Section 121 is another section that comes to mind that um, I think of, and he promises the kind of uh, knowledge that we will be given as we continue to walk down that path, the covenant path. And so now you think of the words that President Nelson says and he encourages us to keep on the covenant path well because at the end of the covenant path are these promised blessings these things that are that are the olive leaf given to us in section 88 near the end of the section verse 121 the lord talks about uh and, and tells us to cease from light-mindedness and loud laughter and things of that nature well so what does that mean it's who you are inside okay it's not it's 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 about becoming something. Laughter is fine. Uh, joyful laughter is from Elder McConkie. Meets with divine approval, and when properly engaged in it, is wholesome and edifying. Incident to the normal experiences of mortality, there is a time to weep and a time to laugh. But we are commanded to cast away our, our idle thoughts and your excess of laughter from far from you. It's about keeping holy things holy. It's about um, making sure that we have the right mindset in all that we do and not engaging in or uh, participating in vain and uh, vile things. Uh, he said, I believe it, that it's necessary. Sorry, this is pro, uh, Joseph F. Smith. I believe it is necessary for the saints to have amusement, but it must be the proper kind. I do not believe the Lord intends and desires that we should pull along a pull a long face and look sanctimonious and hypocritical, I think he expects us to be happy. And in fact, I would interject, Jarrett would interject here, that Christ said, be of good cheer. Right? Continue with the quote here. I think he expects us to be happy and of cheerful countenance, but does not expect us the indulgence and boisterous and unseemly conduct and the seeking after the vain and foolish things which amuse and entertain the world. He has commanded us to the contrary for our own good and the eternal welfare, we should be apart from the world, as I mentioned earlier in, in previously talking about this section. We should be set apart from the world. It should be noticeable now that we are living the celestial law. And so, sure, you can have a Netflix. I'm not saying don't have Netflix, but I'm saying what you're watching on Netflix should be drastically different than the world's. I am saying that because that's what the Lord is saying to us in, in ceasing from light-mindedness and uh, living and uh, abiding the celestial law so that we can abide the celestial glory. 
like I'm not going to say any specific show, but like ask yourself as you're watching and picking the the shows and the music that you listen to and the books that you read, ask yourself if it's different than what the world is doing. Ask yourself if that's the if you if you can truly say that's helping you live the celestial law. Will that entertainment be it a book or a movie or a TV show or a song or whatever, will it abide when the curtain is drawn up and the celestial glory blazes through to this earth and melts all of the elements with a fervent heat? Will that, will that entertainment abide? Will it survive the celestial glory? This is a hard thing. It's a hard thing for me. And I'm not saying I'm perfect at it, but what I'm saying is that it's what we should strive for. Just because something's difficult doesn't mean we shouldn't strive for it. Christ said, be therefore perfect. That seems really hard. Doesn't mean we shouldn't strive for it. Because he meant what he said. And it should be happening now. When we're resurrected, we can't be like, oh man... It's all right. The atonement's got me covered. No, the atonement's got to be covering you throughout your life. You've got to be cleansed from the blood of this generation, which is mentioned in this section. Now, the blood of the Lamb needs to be cleaning you now. It's about accessing the power of the atonement. Now, the power of the atonement of Jesus Christ. So the end of the, all of these things is to, to be like him and to be with him. So that's the why, but really, truly, even simpler, more simply put, the reason we make and keep covenants, the reason he asks us to do these things to prepare to see him, is because this is the way to access the power of the atonement of Christ, and that is the only way to be purified. That is the only way to be like him, to be with him, to inherit, to inherit what he has. So yeah, he asks us to do things, but those things in no way earn us seeing his face and being with him. No. But those are the things, these covenants that we make in the uh, baptismal font and in the temple and that we repeatedly make and we keep throughout our life, those things, simply put, give us access to the power, to the power of the atonement of Jesus Christ. And so yes, we need to put off worldly things and light-mindedness and laughter that is inappropriate and yeah it can be hard but we can do hard things we can do th all things through Christ thank you for listening this week best of luck in your studies at, um, as you study section 88 I again invite you to ask yourself how this can be considered an olive leaf to you something that can bring you peace Hope to talk to you next week and enjoy your study.